Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are Philip Bargio and Goal.com's Mohamed Ali. With league uh, in the review window now, there was one more game of the French football season to get out of the way before we could jet off on our summer holidays. But who would come out on top in the Coupe de France final? We discuss that and more after your latest headlines. Paris Saint-Germain completed their second successive domestic treble at the weekend after a 4-2 win against Marseille at the Stade de France. A brace from the departing Zlatan Ibrahimovic combined with strikes from Blaise Matuidi and Edison Cavani was enough to see the, off their bitter Le Classique rivals despite goals from Florian Tovan and Michi Batshuayi. The match was also a test for the security measures that will be in place at the European Championships in three weeks' time, but reports of the measures taking longer than expected and creating huge queues have worried some onlookers. There was also reports of, a, of the Marseille fan coaches being stoned and tear gas being employed before security even lets some in without checking their tickets first. Several managers have changed their jobs this week in Ligue 1, as Christian Gorkouf was officially unveiled as the new boss at Rennes. Nantes have employed former Lille and Montpellier coach René Girard, while Le Canaries, previous manager Michel Desicarian, has joined relegated Reims. It has also been reported that Nice are set to announce a contract extension for Claude Puel in the next few days. In international news, uh, Sevilla defender Adil Rami has been called up to the French squad as an extra reserve after reports emerged that there was concerns over the fitness of Raphael Varane. Le Bleu's manager Didier Deschamps decided to play it safe and bring in another person in should Real, the Real Madrid man be forced to miss the tournament. And in the last hour or so, Lyon owner Jean-Michel Aulas has hinted that midfielder Gerda Fofana's playing career may be over. The 25-year-old has struggled with injuries in the past two years and it is reportedly set to call time on his playing days. And that's all for this week's news. And remember, to keep yourself up to date, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the Coupe de France final and what an enthralling game it turned out to be. Despite the build-up talking about this possibly being a cakewalk, Marseille made a real game of it for, against PSG before succumbing to a 4-2 defeat. Philip, how did you feel the game went? Um, well, it wasn't a cakewalk. Of that, so that's pretty, that's pretty certain. It was one 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 one. Sorry, at uh, at half time, and uh, I thought I thought Marseille were. Uh, gave a, a good account of themselves considering the situation they're, they're in. Um, so uh, interim manager, not really know uh, where the club is uh, is going. We'll talk about this um, afterwards. But um, I thought I thought it was quite brave of Passy, the new manager, to uh, to play four four two. Thought um, the uh, the midfield was uh, was quite uh, quite dynamic, very very risk taking. It was uh, it was uh, some kind of uh, nothing nothing to lose attitude. I think PSG could have. Could have done um, much better on on the counter attack in, in midfield, but uh, basically I don't I don't really have uh, much to um, much to uh, criticise in the first half from all the Marseille players in so the four midfielders and two strikers. I thought Fletcher was quite uh, uh, helping helping quite a lot, um, even though 
you don't you don't see those things. I mean, you you really need to to watch a whole game to to see that. Um, that's where he gets his uh, his critics from sometimes. But um, yeah, I thought I thought in the first half, Marseille were quite um, were quite uh, quite good, and and they were actually only um, surprised, uh, shall we say, by because uh, two of Pedro's goals were at the beginning of each half, so. I thought that was a, that was a blow. The third goal is a mistake by uh, by Isla. I think uh, if he yeah if he doesn't if he doesn't make that mistake uh, if he doesn't lose the ball, Pedro don't score the third goal. And, and you can see the heads drop down, and then there were uh, two other goals to uh, to uh, yeah to finish uh, quite quite a, quite a good game really because it was naturally um, predicted as a one-sided game, which is it's it. Probably it probably should have been. I mean, Pedro did not have Verratti, did not have a Thiago Motta. I think with that midfield, it may have been a bit more one-sided. Uh, but uh, you know, ifs and buts at the end of the day. So a good, yeah, a good game. And uh, I think I think Marseille can't be, uh, you know, uh, can can look back and say, well, at least at least we tried, which which is which is good because uh, that that doesn't happen uh, very often. That hasn't happened very often that, um, when uh, whenever Pedro play. Yeah, we will mention later how Marseille have struggled this season, Mo, but they gave a really good account of themselves on Saturday and, and really at least went for the win in what many expected to be, like we say, a, a very easy game for Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, um, I agree with Phil. Um, I think the game was lost in, uh, in the first two or three minutes of each half. And it's a bit of a shame because obviously, given you know the anticipation of the final, um, to go 1-0 behind after a minute and 50 seconds is very, very demoralising after all that build-up as well. But um, I think the players did well to show some resilience, to show some fight and come back into the game at half-time. But again, the same, you know, the same problems, the same deficiencies, you know, uh, kind of reared their head and ensured that, you know, all the good work uh, that was done, you know, was undone uh, towards the end. Um the you know the thing I think uh, some players did make a real fight of it. I, I also got the feeling that some players, um, you know, I think they were too easily overawed um, and kind of had let their level slip towards the end. I mean, the, the issue with PSG is that they have world class players uh, in in that in in any given position, and a mistake you know you're not playing, especially in the final you're not playing. You know the level of uh, Lorient or Khan. You know you're playing the likes of Ankel Di Maria, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, etc., etc. And one mistake, one lapse of concentration, uh, will punish you. And that showed on on Saturday night, where you know the overall possession, uh, you know overall uh, tempo of the game. You know Marseille absorbed a lot of pressure for for quite long periods as well. Um, but all it took was one mistake, one lapse, one late tackle, etc. And that's where the goals are coming. You can easily pinpoint. Uh, the source of the PSG goals, and that's been, you know, indicative of the whole season, the way things have gone. Um, focus wasn't there, but in the end, you know, you can't really fault the the team performance. Um, you know, it was it was it was always going to be a huge ask to you know win uh, at at the weekend to win the cup as well, considering the team that was put out and the level of the opponents. But all in all, you know, you can't. It was it was an acceptable performance by some players. I thought some players' performances were still well off the pace, um, but the scoreline was more or less more or less respectable. 
Yeah, at least it wasn't an embarrassment on the final no. game of the season. So, no. But it was a final farewell for, for one player in particular, Philip, and that was obviously Zlatan Ibrahimovic's final match in a PSG shirt. And predictably, he came away with that with another double, as you may expect him to do. It was another good performance to top off a great final season with the club, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was good. He was getting a nod, actually, in the first half, where uh, the PSG midfield, and uh, once again I mentioned um, um, uh, some, some kind of Liga midfield and not a uh, European midfield, um, as I believe Rabiot and Stambouli are, are quality players, but maybe not quite the type to, uh, to, to, to play uh, really big uh, European games. But um, you can see him being slightly annoyed at the lack of, uh, of balls he had in the uh, in the first yeah in the first uh, in the first period, um, and that that didn't particularly particularly change. But uh, yeah, once again, whenever there's a penalty, he usually scores them. He's missed a, he's missed a cup in um, in his years at PSG, and uh, the uh, his second goal was uh, clinically taken against Mandanda. It's still, you know, it was still it was um, PSG's midfield still had to work very very hard to get the ball to him. And uh, and sometimes he, he he did get annoyed, but you know as usual he got uh, he got the uh, the plaudits for for being at at the right moment at the right time. So one one goal was a was a penalty, and uh, I think yeah overall this this was probably one of his better performances uh, in the second half of last season. Didn't didn't do uh, much, but uh, he did he did the job as usual, and uh, he will go down of course. Uh, he'll be he'll be up there with Pauletta as um, one of Piaget's great um, great number nine. There's lots of rumours of him to Manchester United today, though. Yes, and we'll, we'll wait on those, and as I will myself as well, very patiently. But just to summarise on on Ibrahimovic, Mo, he's been a terrific professional at PSG for the last four years, and has has really lifted them to the next level, hasn't he? <laughs> uh, you mean if you begin to ask? Um... A Marseille fan about you know how well Bayern which has done you know, <laughs> yes. get it. Um, but no he's 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 had he's made he's made a significant impact uh, you know that's undeniable. Um, I mean I was I was saying a couple of weeks ago that if you look at the period between uh, before Ibrahim which arrived and um, and uh, subsequent years you can see a real difference. I mean the PS3 team of 2012 uh, were you know still well off. You know they're they're quite unrecognisable from the you know the team that you see before you today, um, and he's brought in a you know a heightened level of professionalism. I remember reading a few uh, articles at the time of uh, his surprise and um, a few teammates. You know the fact that players you know did not give 100% in training. He kind of kind of brought you know the world class professionalism and the way you know athletes at the very very top. You know, do things. You know, tr- you know, given the, you know, given their role in training, and he kind of was like, a, you know, a captain, but without the captain's armband. You know, like he, he was a, he was a very central figure. You know, um, he was uh, well connected to the PSG hierarchy. The president, you know, would seek his counsel, etc. So, you know, it, not just on the field that PSG were missing, but off it as well. Um, and well, against you know, I mean, a, a lot of a lot of teams and a lot of fans like myself would be kind of glad to see him go because he was very very successful. Um, domestically, obviously, couldn't ask anything more of him in the Champions League. You know, question mark still remains. Um, uh, could he have done enough? I mean, he has gone miss. He had yeah, has gone missing um, in a few of those really crucial games 
uh, for Paris Saint-Germain in the last couple of years. But uh, overall, you know, this was this was a play that you know you might not see again. And the fact that he's achieved all of that in a, you know a matter of four years, four years is really not not that long at all. But to make such an impact at a top club is uh, is unheard of nowadays. It was Ancelotti who said uh, that um, you were talking about. Poop. Professionalism. Yeah. No. Um, when you when you first got there, uh, I think Ancelotti was the manager. Maybe it was Cambo. It was. Yeah, uh, anyway, yeah. I mean Ancelotti. He did say on multiple occasions, not only Ibrahimovic is a um, is a good player. He's a model professional because uh, you had uh, players, most of them were French, coming in late uh, and training. That will not yeah. surprise uh, any of any of us. And Ibrahimovic was uh, was telling them, "Hey, what what are you doing?" You, you you've got a job to do. You you come here on time and you do your job. You're Absolutely. not here. You not you you don't you don't show up late. It's just uh, just a matter of uh, being being a professional. Absolutely. They were still like Ancelotti really admired that and and you know it's uh, and usually I, I'm you know I'm, I wasn't at the Condi Lodge when when Ibrahimovic must have told off Kabay or Matuidi or other French players, but. Uh, I, I think I believe he only had to say it once for the, for the players to actually respect uh, respect the timetable. So this this is what this is what this is the legacy he, he he's leaving at PSG. Um, you know his professionalism, even though he's won basically every every major league in Europe apart from apart from the Premiership that may happen. Um, but um, yeah, still still very very serious in in what he does. Which is uh, which is great, and and which is not not said that that often because he does sound he does seem a bit nonchalant sometimes, um, but uh, yeah, his, you know his, the figures speak for themselves, and it is it is a shame. Of course, he could have done better. Of course, of course, the game against Manchester City will always be what if, but uh, you know, still not not a bad achievement at all. <laughs> no, and and that's something that's probably lost on a few people. Is he is a excellent professional even though he does like to have maybe a little bit of a joke and a, and a bit of self-assurance on himself sometimes but let's talk about some of the issues that they had before kickoff. it was almost a test run of the checks they will be taking out during the European Championships Philip um, mm. what was the reports of in like in France about the uh, the issues before the game I think uh, most of um, the, uh, the, issue, the the issues was also also time waiting, and it was much more uh, much more was written about it because it was a classico and because um, because it was a cup final. Now I didn't go to that game uh, because Saturday Saturday evening, um, but uh, I did go to France versus Russia on a friendly. And uh, indeed, you do you um, you get out of a of a station, and you do have to wait not that long. I mean, maybe it was a bit more, but France versus Russia was also full, and there were maybe lots more segregation. Um, but you did have to wait quite uh, quite a bit, and I don't. I think I think it's uh, it's it's. Um, it's actually a good a good thing showing that uh, we I mean we we, we are prepared and uh, that there there has been uh, a lot of uh, a lot of trouble well that's you know that's just um, unfortunate but uh, I don't think there was any 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 way any other way to do it if you uh, if if you see where where the train stations are and how how to get to the ground I don't think the authorities had a, had a choice of doing um, uh, of doing it that way. 
Mo, was there a little bit of a worry about this reoccurring in the Euros, especially with the reports of, say, security allowing some people in without checking their tickets? Is that that's a worry ahead of the Euros? Um, yeah, I mean, it's always a worry once you hear, you know, reports that security hasn't gone as well as you, know, you might have imagined. But, um, you know, I think the Euros will just be on a whole different level. Um, you know, the procedures implemented is not just, you know, a domestic affair anymore. It's an international, uh, it's, an, it's an international tournament with various different, you know, procedures, etc. So, um, I mean, it, as long as as long as they learn this, I mean, I wouldn't even be, uh, I would, I I'm, I'm not even sure uh, that uh, those that, you know, were present at the start of France on Saturday night in terms of security would even be there. In a couple of weeks, um, since UEFA will take over the ground and implement their own, uh, you know, policies. Um, but of course, it's always, uh, it's you know, it's always quite concerning to see uh, issues like that, um, especially given that it's you know, it's it's a, it's a big game and it's kind of a dry run ahead of the uh, opening game in a couple of weeks. I mean, I might be wrong in assuming that this was the last game ahead of the opening game of the Euros. Um, so the fact that things haven't gone smoothly and there are obviously incidences not only outside the stadium but also inside as well, um, that would give the authorities a cause of concern, definitely. There's a lot to work on. Yeah, and they'll make sure that they tighten those up before the championships in three weeks' time. Um, Just to finish off with the Coupe de France talk, Philip, it was, like we mentioned, another domestic treble for PSG. Can anyone stop them in any competition domestically next year? Well, it, uh, I would say a lot of depends on uh, on Saturday evening's opponents and uh, uh, on the investment coming coming in. But I do believe that Lyon will have a much better season uh, next season uh, than uh, than this one. Um, if if we do uh, some kind of a, of a review, it's been uh, quite a disappointing one for for Lyon. Um, and they've shown in the second half of the season what a good side they are. So I'm I'm thinking just uh, ju- just Lyon, um, but uh, you never know. You PSG may may have a lot of uh, a lot of injuries. I know I know that in the semi-final against Lorient, I mean Zlatan got them out of out of jail there. I mean it was nil nil, nothing was happening, zero chances. Zlatan shoots straight at the keeper who for some reason goes uh, goes on one side or the other instead of staying. And uh, if if this if if Zlatan is not there, uh, this goes to penalty. This goes to extra time, maybe penalties, and maybe they lose on penalties. So you know, Zlatan did 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 um, does have this kind of um, aura that makes um, defenders panic and goalkeepers panic. And maybe this, with him gone, maybe it will be much harder for them to score goals next season than it is this season. Even though. You know he is he is getting on a bit. He is 34, and yes, we'll, uh, Peugeot will probably get a younger a younger striker. He still has the experience of you know scoring scoring the big goals in the big games, and that's not something you can acquire if you're like 20 or something. So I yeah I, I believe it. It probably won't be as easy next season as uh, as this one, but it has been tremendously easy this season. Although you could also argue that uh, uh, some games against you, as a referee was, uh, as a referee decisions went Page's way. So you know, I, I do, yeah, I do believe that next season's treble, if if Page do another domestic treble, it'll be a bit harder than this season. Mo, is there anyone that you can see that can oppose PSG's dominance next season? 
I'd like to say I'd like to say Marseille, but um, <laughs> no, I, I think I, um, I think next year they'll find it very very difficult. I mean, there's always you know once you've won everything, I won everything again. I mean, you know how long can you keep it up for? Um, um, and the fact that you know Ibrahimovic is not there, and Ibrahimovic, I think you can attribute a lot of Paris Saint-Germain's success to Ibrahimovic. Um, and it just depends. I mean, obviously, it depends on who they sign, what you know, how the squad looks on the first week of August. But at this moment in time, uh, I would even go as far as to say they would not even do the treble, and probably we might return to another you know close fought title race. If Lyon can get the act together, uh, you keep Lacazette, um, you know, and with 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 now this guaranteed participation, the brand new stadium, you know, start flexing their uh, muscle financially a little bit. You know, if they make a couple of shrewd signings, I would, you know, I'd love, <laughs> as we said, I'd love, I like to see them, you know, fighting back at the top as they were last season as well. You know, last season was very, very exciting. 2014-15 season was very, very exciting. And if we can see a rerun of that next year, that would obviously be very, very enticing for all concerned. Uh, Monaco, uh, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. Um, But, you know, outside of Lyon, is there anybody else that can challenge Paris Saint-Germain? I'd say no. Um, But definitely we won't be seeing a 31-point margin next year. That's a (laughs) one-off. Hopefully. We'd like to say a more competitive league our season next year. But congrats to PSG again on their Coupe de France win. Another excellent one to add to that cabinet. Um, Moving on to the losers of that cup final. And despite getting there, it hasn't been the best of seasons for Marseille, to say the least. They finished a disappointing 13th in the table and are set for another mass exodus in the summer. Mo, what will this team look like come August? Good question. Um, nobody knows. It's the short answer. Um, the long answer is that, well, out of a squad of realistically 18, shall we say, 18 first-team players, um, about 10 will go, uh, and that's the minimum. Uh, so you have all the low knees uh, that will return to their clubs, aside from Cabela. Um, uh, Steve Mandanda, Nico Sankulu and uh, Alexis Ramal have their, their contracts ended and there's Michi Bashawai who uh, and Sana Diar who almost certainly will, will depart one way or another um, and well, he is free though I mean he is free I mean you yeah. know, that's, what, that's what the report's coming out tonight he, mm. he, he, claims, he, he claims he's free but obviously um you know, an oral agreement is not really uh, cast iron. You know, legal <laughs> legal agreement to be honest. Um, but that would be interesting to see how that plays out. But as you know, going back to the question uh, you posed, Nathan, um, there's only four players left um, of that. Well, definitely in the first team this year, and I can count on one hand, less one hand, uh, Mendy. Uh, Cabela, Nkudu, and Rekik or Orlando, one of them, depending on um, how things go. And that's, you know, there has to be a huge rebuilding job. And the worst thing about this is that the club doesn't even have the finances to complete a real rebuilding job. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really see how, you know, the club, uh, the officials will assemble uh, the playing squad. 
Um, there's a massive financial hole um, to cover, first of all, because of because of uh, the lack of uh, European football next season. Um, the club did make a 30 or to 40 million profit on uh, sales last year, um, but obviously that has I you know I mean a lot of people have been wondering where has that money gone. You know, most of that has gone to plugging last season's loss uh, caused by the lack of European football in 2014, uh, 2013-14, or 14-15 rather. Um, and the rest will have to cover the uh, the cost of a really poor season. I mean, the Marseille are expected to lose about two to three million, uh, up to four million even uh, um, in ticket sales. The fact that nobody's been attending the games given the team's poor form. Um, and you know there's going to be expected to be an even bigger loss at least last year with the fire sale there was at least a promise of Europa League football um, a group stage participation Europa League which means you know you, you have at least some guaranteed income for the year but this year is absolutely a nightmare scenario and it's been coming we've all, re we've all known this was going to happen in September you know, so it's not exactly a surprise. I don't know why, um, from what I have seen and from what I've read, um, it seems to be a bit of a surprise to the to some people at the club. But you know, Marguerite Louis Dreyfus, the owner, was never going to inject any money. She made it very clear um, that you know the club, she's not going to inject any money to the club. So therefore, Marseille is a self a, cl a club that has to you know. Sustain itself, you know. Essentially, it has to make its own money and live within its means, um, and it has failed to do so on a spectacular level for the last three to four seasons. And honestly, the saving grace would be um, that before June, June 23, when the club presents as a financial accounts, that there is news of a buyer, um, because if there isn't, and Vincent Le Brun remains as president, then it will really be a, you know, a supermarket you know, trolley dash um, of the little kind. <laughs> um, you know, it won't be very pretty to see at all. It'll be very low cost. It worked for Gazzaleca Jaxio maybe, but will it work for Marseille? Probably not. It's and not exactly the same size. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it will be massively painful to watch and any hope of trying to Enter the league. I mean, if you if you ask any Marseille fan two three years ago, um, this will be the situation you find yourselves in come 2016. It you know people just look at you and laugh. It's quite astounding how things have developed. And I know you know I could predict what would happen. Uh, anybody else could predict what would happen. Uh, journalists, fans, etc. It was all there to see, but. It's just been run really, really shoddily. It's been it's been an awful example of management at the highest level for a top, you know, proud European club, um, and it's quite quite sad to see, to be honest. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that that tells you with the finances and and the things that how much of the sale of Michi Batshuayi in the summer could matter to the club moving forward with that many holes in the squad potentially. But Philip, mm. they've had a Pretty dreadful season, and to be all is, is was there any hope to take out of it? 
Well, actually, yes. I mean, there's a squad um, in terms of. Uh, I think the quality of the players is not is not actually uh, that bad. I mean, you've got this one good player by line, so you've got one world-class goalkeeper. Um, some. I mean, I'm still having this debate about who is actually better. Is it Mandanda or Lois? Because Lois has not really been that uh, mediatized uh, in France because Tottenham is not very big here, uh, and uh, people have been calling for Mandanda to start. Um, every uh, uh, every game, every warm-up game for France, and, and actually actually playing. That's how good he's been. Uh, by far and away, he's the best goalkeeper in uh, in the league. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm quite yeah um, I'm quite I'm quite undecided on Enkulu, but I, I can I can still see you know a player like uh, Diaw or Lasana Diaw. He's uh, he's fantastic. Mishibatshuay as well. Mishibatshuay, I I really admire him because of uh, you know his youth and how he takes the pressure on, no problem. It, it really, really is uh, extremely, extremely good. I, I'm, I'm not really, I haven't watched uh, Marseille enough uh, to, to, to form an opinion on, on what kind of season Nkuru has had. Uh, I, I actually saw that Ricky has not been that, you know, awful. I mean, he's been awful in some in some games, but not uh, not all the time. So the squad was. Yeah, the squad was average. The squad was average, and Marseille finished in an average position. There's also this um, this home jinx, 11 draws. That's uh, that's by, by far and away the biggest uh, uh, number of home draws in 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 the league. The other uh, the one that comes closest is uh, is Angers, who uh, who usually played 10 men behind the ball, waiting for uh, something to happen up front, and uh, not being very um, adventurous. But you know, it worked. So yeah, it's um, I think yeah I think it, uh, mid table is uh, it sounds sounds about right. I think I could have done a bit better from uh, from what they had, but uh, it wasn't it was never going to be Europe though. Talks of relegation were very far fetched though. I mean you know we did, we did mention it, but um, we didn't really believe uh, Marseille would go down. It would have been a, a tragedy though. No, and, and and going back on this, easing, imagining someone like Stev Mandanda wasn't in goal and. Michibat Shuai, who, who contributed with goals and assists totaling about more than half of the club's goals. It's hard to imagine where they must have been if they didn't have players of that quality propping them up and keeping them level uh, playing field. But we've discussed the finances, Mo, and, and the, the amount of players that will be leaving in mm. the summer. What will the, it might be a difficult question, but uh, what are the players they're going to sort of target in the summer to replace them? Is it is it bargain basement sort of mm. <laughs> trying to sign, or is it getting those maybe young players in that they maybe cheaper? Um, well, it just depends. Um, I mean, it assuming the investment, of course. Uh, yeah, assuming there's no investment, I think it'll be signing free players. Um, going around the top clubs again, the same way Manquillo and Lucas Silva were signed, you know, going going to your Real Madrid, Barcelona's or wherever, and try and you know negotiate a loan deal. Because um, I mean, that's the only thing Marseille can offer now, you know, a, a, a place where these players can grow up. It might have not worked for Lucas Silva, but it worked really, really well for Javier Manquillo. Um, so, you know. Going to these clubs and promising them playing time in a difficult environment where they can perhaps grow up and you know be a short game time. That's the only um, use Marseille really have now. But other than that, um, free players, players from lower league clubs, um, or from the lower uh, in, in Ligue 1, you know that 
would cost probably two, three, four million euros out of pot. Those are the sort of profile. I wouldn't be surprised if it was wholly domestic as well. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, that's assuming there's no investment. If there is investment, then you know the game, the game will change. But so um, yeah. So what's the strategy? I mean, is it is it to get first of all the new investors, then the new managers, then you know the the new players, or or is it is there is it is there maybe something to to mm. say okay that that manager is not too bad let's stick with him uh, waiting for an investor because yeah it's still a big name I mean it will always be a massive a massive name and there's going to be a lot of managers moving around this summer um, but um, I mean are they going to stick with uh, are they going to stick with party um. uh, until until uh, someone you know finally buys them or not I mean that's that's pretty unclear at the moment because you know. No one really knows. I mean, it's not it's not come through the media how advanced these takeover these takeover deals. Are. I mean, it was announced in April, um, about six weeks ago, that the club's for sale. Um, and obviously, I would I would imagine that unless this has been going on for a few months, that it will take quite a while to get everything sorted. I mean, you know, we'll see. Uh, the Louis Dreyfus family have owned Marseille for 20 years, so I can imagine it takes a few, uh, you know, bit of time to get these guarantees through. Marseille already had one failed takeover sale in mm-hmm. 2007, um, so you know I would I would imagine that it will take a few a few months at the very least to get you know the guarantees sorted to make sure everything's kosher. But um, um, at the moment, there is every chance that you know the that it could be concluded or there could be some breakthrough within the next month. But obviously, you know, while that could take some time, you've got the pressing issue of having about four or five players only in a squad of, you know, a squad of 20, which you need to fill because, you know, the competition is about, you know, the league and starts in about 75 days again, shall we say. Mm. Um, that's that's not a lot of time at all. That really isn't a lot of uh, time, um, and obviously, if that's an impasse, then you know what manager would come in knowing that there's a bit of an uncertain future. Obviously, um, everything relies on, you know, everything's right in the up in the air. To be honest, so I would not be surprised that the longer this goes on, the longer Passy remains as head coach. Uh, I don't think Marseille will appoint a full-time head coach until there's some sort of breakthrough. Uh, so it could very well mean Passy is in charge, which is okay. Um, you know, he hasn't done too bad, um, and he's experienced the very least. He has been around for the last three managers, been around since the Deschamps era, and has worked and has been interim coach for more, you know, multiple times. So he's a very, very safe pair of hands, but he is limited tactically to what he can do as well. But you know, I think in this transitional period, he's very, very trustworthy. As for Lebrun, he will be around the longer this goes on. Um, mm. And then you can very well assure, in the absence of a general manager, a sporting director, and practically everybody else that is needed to run a successful club, he will make decisions, and therefore he will pick and go for you know the, these low-cost players and these these loans. I mean. He's, you know, he's very, very contradictory in what he says, and these contradictions are now coming to uh, coming back to bite him. You know, the sound bites that oh, we are aiming to be the top. Oh no, we don't have any money. 
we are going to be, uh, you know, like a B club for the top top clubs of Europe. Now, you know, we can't sign, we can't even get Tolvan on loan again. We have, you know, we have no resources whatsoever. Um, that's the problem, to be honest, and that's where, you know, that's where that's where the situation problem lies, because you know Marseille, you know, okay, we've there's been a lot of problems, you know, takeovers. Um, uh, selling the club, selling the players, rather um, financial losses, etc. These are all problems that most youth clubs go go into. You know, it's only planning or effective management that kind of limits the problem in itself. But Marseille have at the helm a really, really, really bad uh, uh, president who is awful, appalling at his job, and that's kind of what's you know amplify the problem to the millionth degree um, you know it, that's kind of, you know that's the prolonged he stays I mean it's, it's anyone's guess what's going to happen to be honest yeah. unfortunately I, I believe that uh, the, the we won't know much more on the situation until the start of next season uh, I, I really don't think uh, the football the football world is is uh, everybody's going to watch Euro 2016 so until mm. 10th of July uh, nobody's going to really care about Marseille and uh, they're going to have to do a, a really big job of attracting investors during that time period and when Euro 2016 finishes it's back to pre-season training because the league starts in August mm. And then there's still the Olympics, and you know all. Yeah, um, you know it's I, I the just, worst possible year, I think. Probably, um, yeah. It, if it, if it had been last time, it would have been good. I mm, think. It's the worst but, possible year, definitely. Yeah, probably. and so I don't really see uh, some guy saying, "Okay, I'm going to be the new uh, El and uh, challenge PSG and uh, give uh, Marseille 100 million euros, like right now, with my checkbook." Mm. I mean, it can happen. I mean, it happened to Aston Villa with uh, uh, with uh, this um, Chinese, yeah, Chinese person. So you know, it can happen. I just, I just don't see it. I just don't see. Uh, I really see that uh, you know, once in France, once Ligue 1 is switched off, it's switched off. And even, and you really have to really be interested in Ligue 1 to uh, actually take take notice of preseason training, of uh, preseason friendlies, and stuff like that. So I, I really don't see uh, anything happening before. Um, mid-July if it happens I was going to mention then that a, a smart owner and a smart um, director would think oh we have plenty of people coming to the Stad Velodrome in the next couple of weeks with the with the Euros we've got a couple of games hosting mm. international people let's have a nice chat show them the Velodrome full mm. capacity with, with fans and see the, what they could do mm. it is hosting the semi-final exactly a after all yeah yeah I am, I am also speaking not about, about <laughs> sane people that would do the right decisions, but that seems to not be the case at Marseille at the moment. But just to bookend this conversation, Mo, I've got a, a, a question that you might not be quite able to answer now, but what would seem like success for Marseille next season? Uh, uh, well, I mean, anything... That beats this season would obviously be considered a success. I mean, this year, you know, 13th is an anomaly. I think it was absolutely disgraceful on everyone concerned that the club finished 13th. I think given, you know, uh, what occurred, obviously the manager leaving on the first day of the season, I think, okay, Europe could still be in the possibility, you know, 6th at the very least. 
um, you know, Marseille did sell a lot of players, but they did replace them with able players. You know, the play number of players that came in weren't awful. Um, so the fact that the club finished 13th was an absolute disgrace and only missed relegation by a few weeks as well. But next season, um, it depends. I mean, if if there are a couple of shrewd signings, I, I think, you know, Marseille, a club like Marseille cannot be out of Europe, you know, completely two years in a row. So I think top six would be uh, would be considered a success. Um, Champions League, you know, at this moment in time, you can forget about that. Um, and you have to remember, you know, this is Ligue 1. This is not the Premier League we're talking about. This isn't, you know... You're, you're, you, if you if you look at on paper, can you fight with Nice and, uh, you know, Rennes and to less you know, to lesser degree sanity and maybe can you fight with them for your own league place? And you know, if you were if Marseille fan would say no, then there's a big problem, you know. If Marseille unable to fight for these uh, teams for a place, you know, um in, in the Europa League at the very least, then what's there to play for really? You might as well you know, anything below that cannot be considered a success at all. Um so I think Europe would be the minimal aim. You mentioned this, would you, would you welcome back Ben Arthur? I would. I would welcome back okay. Ben Arthur. A absolutely. Uh, would Ben Arthur come back? Um, mm. Maybe not the case, um, to be but, honest. I'm not, I'm not that sure that Nice have more money than Marseille. It's just... Uh, no, no, no. And I saw, I saw there was a really uh, interesting uh, interview that somebody linked uh, to me on Twitter. And mm. um, if you look at most of the teams in Europe that tend to do well, actually have a much less, bu you know, lower budget than Marseille. Um, yeah. You know, for example, Sevilla or um, Atletico Bilbao, etc. So it's really, <laughs> it's uh, it's really surprising that a club that you know still has a budget of 100 million plus a season cannot finish in the top 10. Uh, you know, but that goes to show the level of inefficiency that's going around. Yeah, and we're waiting for plenty of dominoes to fall in that situation, really, at the moment. Absolutely. Scouting at big clubs, like uh, and especially like at Marseille and PSG, is has always been a problem. I mean, PSG always had a, quite a budget, but we, I mean, uh, before the Qataris had really poor seasons. I mean, I mean, not poor seasons, but you know, not good, not great, not not as good as uh, it should it should yeah you know, it should be having, or as it should have had, but. Um, uh, I, I do, I do believe that you know, with with decent scouting, with a, a bit of investment done in scouting in the right persons, I think this can be uh, maybe turned into a sort of uh, low budget situation, which could actually uh, go all right. Because if they have a squad with kids, they won't have lots of pressure because they say, you know what, they're all 17, 18. If they lose at Angers, doesn't matter. But you know, maybe it's a, sometimes sometimes these things work. I mean, it worked for Nice this season. And no pressure on the scouts then this summer as they no. as they go bargain hunting and try and rescue Marseille from the hole they're in. But we'll we'll move on to clubs that have signed new managers this weekend. The manager managerial merry-go-round in league got its first spin this weekend as Ren announced Christian Gorkouf as their new manager. He was highly sought after by a couple of clubs, Philip. So was this the right move for him? Um, well, for him, I mean, he he, uh, he has to make a choice between uh, does he want to manage a club or does he want to manage a national team. Uh, Christian Gorkouf has um, historically been um, well. He he is he is from Britain. He has managed Lorient uh, very very successfully. 
Um, and he, uh, he he stopped that. He uh, managed um, Lorient for for a very very long time, uh, for uh, eleven years. And now it was uh, now he went to he went to Algiers. Was it was a was a decent record, but uh, I think it I think it's more of a of a, um, uh, of a sentimental uh, sentimental reasons. Maybe he wanted uh, he, he wanted to uh, to get back to to to, to Brittany to get back to day to day management. Maybe some managers uh, are not really cut out for international inter- international football. Uh, management because uh, because of uh, you know the scarcity of the games and all the games you have to see and all the pressure you're on afterwards maybe something happened in um, uh, in the Argentinian squad I don't know um, and maybe he wanted uh, also to uh, to put his son's uh, career back on track uh, that's uh, not uh, um, you know impossible he did spend uh, he did spend um, a season in uh, Rennes before um, it didn't uh, didn't last uh, didn't last very long but um, I didn't. I don't really um, see Corbis as a long-term solution. I think uh, Gourcuff could stay a solid three, four years at Rennes, and uh, that uh, he can make them uh, at least um, go in the Europa League. I'm, I'm quite, uh, I'm quite certain that they have the, uh, they have the academy to do that. They, they do not have any money, just like the most of most of Liga. But um, they, they are hardworking, and uh, I believe they are one of them, one of those to watch in um, uh, next season for for European League qualification. Which uh, I said, yeah, I, I honestly welcome this move. I think it's a, it's a great move. I think I, I like Gorkuf, um and I think it's a, it's a good match between Gorkuf and and, uh, and Rennes. Yeah, and it's a, it's a solid squad that he's taking over at Rennes, even though they lose Usman Dembele in the summer. Mo, it's. <laughs> Is he the right fit for them to move them forward? I know they're looking now to to push on and be consistently in the Europa League in the near future. Do you think he was the right man for the job? Yeah, I definitely think he's the right man. And like uh, Phil said, I think you know the the profiles of the two parties seem to match very very well. And I always kind of imagine Rennes underachieve a little bit, to be honest, um, considering that they've got you know such a you know really good academy and they've got such a, a you know good. Uh, system in place, uh, infrastructure behind them as well, um, and you know they've been able, to, you know, aside from Corbis probably, but with Philippe Montagnier um, uh, previously as well, you know that they they should have maybe been pushing a lot more for the Europa League places at the very least as well, uh, year in year out. Um, but I think you know he he'll be able to first of all attract. Uh, a couple of uh, domestic uh, players um, and implement some really, really, uh, you know, g- g- a good style of football as well, and will demand results. Um, and I think uh, for sure, you know, if if he is able to get the best out of some players, I mean, obviously, Mandebelli has gone, um, but there are still um, a lot of decent players to work with. Um, if he can shape his squad and impose. Uh, his identity on the squad pretty quickly. Uh, I think, I think next year there could be a kind of revelation of the, se- of the season. Maybe this year's Nice, for example. Yeah, yeah, so just just, just one, one thing to, to say about uh, Gorkivier at uh, at Stade Rennes. He he did uh, he he did get uh, get the sack for uh, results being too uh, well not good enough. Rennes were bottom of the league mm. uh, back in 2001-2002 um, uh, towards the end of January. So you know, no pressure. 
No pressure. <laughs> no, that won't jump on him quickly, will it? That won't be reminded every press no, course until he wins a game if he starts poorly. But yeah, it's, I, th- I think it's a good match as well. I mean, when you look at Ren player for player, they are a reasonably talented squad. They've got a solid goalkeeper. Even without Dembele, they've got like Paul Georges and Tep, and he's been promising in the past. And Kamagrosicki's had a decent season, and I- I've already predicted that he's he's likely to probably star for Poland as well. And they've got a solid base there to build a club that's got a really good youth system and bring extra quality from that. And and they should be challenging really for a Europa League place next season at very minimum. They could be a surprise package if he gets them running. We um we also have sorry, carry on, Philip. Do, do, do we know do we know how much they're getting for uh, Dembele from Dortmund? There's or was it still undisclosed? I don't think um they were. Must have an estimate like yeah. twenty or thirty million or maybe forty. I don't know. <laughs> There was figures bound around everywhere. So reportedly, yeah. there was a um, release clause of about 10 million euros, I believe. Mm. But and then, but it's gone all the way from there to about that amount with clauses that would rise to 30, 35. It's <laughs> all over the place from what mm. I... Was there anything that you'd noticed, Mo, at all? I mean, I saw 15 million um, with clauses that could probably take it to 20, 25. But I think, you know, 15 million is probably a good place to start. Yeah. <laughs> Roughly. Um, but yeah, you know, you can never be too sure in these circumstances. No, and it's difficult. Ten, when you ten, ten is a bit low, though. I mean, yeah, I think he, he, is, he is a major low. talent. Uh, I would say 20, 20 is a solid uh, estimation of his mm. potential. And uh, Dortmund will probably sell him to, to, to Bayern in three years for 60 million. Or something. Probably. As they, always, as they always seem to do. But it's a good yeah. move for I mean, and if the club can use those finances wisely on attracting two or three, maybe even four players that will improve them overall, then they could really challenge for those Europe Europe places next season. But like I was going to say, there's there's been a replacement and uh, for Michel Desicarian at Nantes, and it's uh, former Liga manager René Girard who's coming in. Um, can he do the business with Le Canelli, uh, Philip? Hmm. Not sure what business. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, you, you may have noticed I'm not as as enthusiastic as uh, as Gorkufa. He's, t- he's turned a bit uh, a bit sour at Lille uh, as a style of play. And uh, if I were not fan, I would be a bit disappointed, really. The other account picked up not made them League 2 champions, uh, an established side in, in League 2 now. I don't I don't think Girard is a, is a type of guy who lets a club go go down. Uh, he did win the league. Um, a few years ago, but he's, he's actually the last uh, the last uh, manager to have won the league um, uh, without being a, a PSG without being a PSG manager. But uh, still, I think uh, I think uh, the Azakan style was a bit more um, attractive, a bit more risky uh, risk taking, and that um, Girard is one of the main reasons why uh, Lille's um, attacking uh, attacking. Uh, form, shall we say, if you can call it, if you could call it, was so poor, and uh, this didn't, it, this didn't really help with uh, with Renard uh, coming in, and uh, it really needed a, a strong manager to to put this finally put some, you know, dynamism in the in the attack, and I don't know, uh, Nantes did have a lot of problems scoring scoring goals, and uh, if if this if this starts to happen, if uh, not, uh, not maybe not down there, but scoring just one two goals a. Uh, or uh, possibly a few scoreless, scoreless games, then I can very easily see the media pointing fingers at Girard. So I wouldn't be, you know, that uh, not not as uh, you know, not great. 
He's good at showing up a defence, but that's for sure as well. Though at the oh, same yeah, time, yeah. to think yeah, about that. But you do make a good point there, Philip. That I want to mention to Melbourne. They have struggled to score this season. Not and Girard's not exactly famous for bringing goals to a club like as he showed at Lille this season. But it 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 should feel like a little bit of a coup for for not to get a manager who's won league and before surely. Absolutely. Um, I think I think they've gone more for stability, to be honest. Um, in the pointing, a very, you know, a, a very safe manager, Rene Girard. I think he, he's it he might be a little bit conservative in his play, but you know he has achieved some some success at the very least. Uh, maybe not, um, maybe uh, you know not doing too well the latter stages in Montpellier in Lille, but you know he's a very experienced coach and he's he's he's. Uh, He's a, he's a decent man manager as well, um, and I think maybe that's you know that's uh, that's why they've gone for him. Um, but I'm just wondering, um, you know, Nantes have a very eccentric president, um, as you know, I'd like I like to think, um, and he has fallen out with Zakarian um, previously, and I'm just wondering, you know, maybe you know Gerard did not have wholly positive relations with uh, with his, the last two presidents um, so I'm not entirely sure how that will pan out but in terms of the playing squad I think he you know it's it's, 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 a, it's a decent thing not as enthusiastic like you know like you said Phil uh, with Goku uh, Ren, but you know I think it would be very very interesting to see how this pans out I mean Nantes are, are you know still a a decent, you know, sized club in Liga, and they should be doing uh, well. They've got fantastic support, and they've got, you know, I think they're still in the phase, you know, where they, you know, they seem to be just fighting off relegation, being between like 12th or 15th in Liga, and you know, not safety is okay to them. But I think that you know they've got the resources to at least try and push into the top 10. And with Girard, who's done that with Montpellier, taking them from one stage to the next and into the Champions League and via the league title, I think they've got a person who knows how to do that as well. So, you know, there's, there's some something to work with. Yeah, I'm just looking at all these uh, all these uh, lack of lack of scoring ability from uh, from not uh, because it was it was a big problem last season where they only scored 29 goals. This season they scored 20 uh, 33, which is uh, the, the second worst uh, goal scored for total. And uh, the the last one was of course the record breakers um, trois. Um, but you know, not did did finish behind Marseille, and so, so that meant you know something did have to change as well. You you, you felt you felt like Derzacarian, you know, he, he he wanted to change. He didn't want to. It's not that he wanted to be there. He said, okay, I've been there three years. Uh, I've, I've shown what, I, what I'm capable of doing, and uh, I want a new challenge now. And that new challenge is at Reims in League yes, Two. Yes, that new challenge is at Reims. That's a fantastic. To to, to me, to me, that's a, that's a great uh, that's a great appointment for Reims. It's it's a it's more a great appointment for Reims than it is a great job for Derzacarian, who's probably going to do the same thing at Reims that he did at Nantes, which is you know sure. put them back, put them back at the, uh, in in the top in the top division and make them an established side. You know, Reims. We, we did talk about this all season. Reims never should have gone down, but. Um, you know that's that's a great that's a mm-hmm. great appointment. Speaking of actually uh, League Two managers, there's also uh, Brest who are are trying to um, to, uh, to 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 uh, 
and Wall, Paul Le Guin, so ex uh, Ren and PSG manager and Lyon manager, uh, and actually uh, he did uh, yeah, he did he did manage Rangers as well, Rangers and maybe Spurs, or maybe not Spurs. Um, well, anyway, and uh, it's still not uh, still not happening. Um, so Brest are still wanting Le Guin, but uh, nothing has been signed yet. An interesting one to keep an eye on, especially for those League 2 fans. And, and clubs going into League 2 is what we want to talk about on our final topic this week. As we say goodbye to Trois, Gazalek, Ajaxio and Reims from Ligue 1, but not necessarily all of their players. As is almost tradition in most of football, uh, teams will look to take advantage of their those relegations by plucking some of their best talents who deserve to stay in the league. So I'm going to start with you, Mel. Who from those relegated teams do you feel will stay in Liga next season with a new club? Mm. Well, I think the easiest answer would be, you know, there's there's a couple of players at Ram, uh, you know, that you can that's a league a league club would you know would do well to go get. Um, so Eddie Preville, um, he'd he'd be a very interesting choice for many many clubs in Liga. Issa Mandi as well, he's a he's a, a very competent defender as well. Um, those are the names that jump out of, uh, jump out in my head at the moment. Um, you know, Gazalek, they've done really well, but individually, I'm I'm not I'm not too sure how they would um, how they would fare. Um, some players would fare at another club. I mean, the reason why Gazalek were initially successful during the first half of the season was that they played really well as a collective. So I mean, trying to divide the team would be a pretty hard ask, but you know, um, Larby, the attacking midfielder, um, I, you know, I've enjoyed watching him play. Uh, I think he's lost his level a little bit as the season wore on, but he was, he was one of the, I think, the league's best players um, early on in the campaign. I think between October to December, um, when Gazlek were on their magnificent run, um, and I think you know the, the, especially the newly promoted sides, Mets, you know, for example. Uh, Nancy, they would do, you know, they would do well to uh, acquire his services. And at Trois, you know, they've been they've been very very poor uh, all season. Um, and I think the players that they, that you want to pick from their squad are either 40 years old in the case of uh, um, uh, Benjamin Nive, um or or uh, um, already s- s- signed by Monaco in the case of Corentin Jean. Um, I wouldn't necessarily take any of their players other than that, to be honest. Yeah, and other than that, they've left the door like a Jimmy Cabo who went in in January as well. Absolutely. Um, Philip, is there anyone that jumps out of the page to you that you, if you were a league manager, you would get to add to your squad? Uh, not from Trois. Gazelec. Gazelec, a few, actually. Gazelec, I think they, they strike me as a side. They strike me like uh, a side from. Um, uh, a league two side, uh, but with players who can do the job in Liga, especially in defen- defensive uh, defensive abilities. And that's that's yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I'm thinking about players like David Ducourcieu, who's a, who's a really okay. Kader Morgan, who can who can really defend. Mohamed Larbi is not is not about uh, is really not about player. Uh, Alexandre Alexandre Kouef, Kevin Mayi, Jeremy Brescia as well. To to me, he's still got it. He's still uh, good enough to play in uh, in the top division. Uh, so there, there are a few players. We're not attacking-minded. I, I don't. Uh, I don't think. For for us, it's uh, it really is a, a completely different uh, proposition. Kosi Agasa is. Um, sorry, that's uh, Johnny Placid. He's uh, he's a he's a good goalkeeper. He's had a, a tough luck. Actually, the whole side has had tough luck towards the 
the um, the second half of the season. Um, Mkotoe did not did not feature well, but I think he's he's a good good uh, good defender. Signorino is is a bit yeah, just like a, a Gazelec player. You know, he he can play Liga, he can play Ligue 2. He's he's good enough for both levels. But I, he he really does strike me as a player who doesn't mind to play in in Ligue 2 for a season if there's a project and there's a project because there's Akayo's here now um, who can uh, who can do uh, who can do quite well. I think uh, Antony Weber is the same same sort of uh, same sort of player. Diego should not be playing in second tier football. I don't think he's got a great left foot and uh, he comes he comes inside. He's very uh, he's very good. Can cover as well. I think uh, I think is uh, is pretty is pretty decent as well. And uh, as for the uh, three strikers, Bifuma, Charbonnier, and Depréville, uh, they've got nothing to do in league two either. And I would I would think David Ngog would not want to. If he is still at the club, uh, would not want to play second-tier football. He he might that's not. Quite a, yeah. That's quite a lot. So you know, maybe this is this is some some type of thing for Dias Icon to, to to think about to say, okay, uh, you didn't. This club did mistakes last season. That's why that's why they need to. But uh, with a squad like this, there's no way we're not going going to get promoted. And this is what he has to do. But you know, who is going to follow? Mm, that's the real question. That's the real question. And so, yeah, yeah you, you've both mentioned there that Rice really have the, the majority of players that you'll look at. I've mm. <laughs> I've banged on about Nicolas Depréville enough to, for people to understand that I think he's a, a really talented footballer who's come on leaps and bounds this season as a as a yeah. forward, not only just as a striker but as a as an assist maker for that Rice team that really struggled to uh, to create much in seasons before, and he's really come on um, and. I've said they they might keep them, but I, I I recommend clubs take a look at the likes of Grejean Kie, although he's he's not had much game time because of injuries. When he has played, he's been a a, a real success and was really great in that final game against Lyon. Mm. And and someone like Jordan Sibaccio will be terrific for them in league though I think next season where he will probably be given more of a chance. And I wouldn't be surprised if if clubs have noticed what he's given them at times coming off the bench and especially early on in the season where he, he was really good. And and you've already mentioned the one I, I thought of for teams coming up, of Philip of Ken Carver, I think. Again, a really solid defensive midfielder mm. that will give you an extra edge. And yeah. to take one from you, Mo, I think uh, Aisa Mondi, again, is a, is a solid... He's not just a solid centre-back. He can play full-back if you need to, mm. him to as well. And, and that versatility will be really good. I, I can see a club like like Lorient and maybe taking someone like that. That I think that will be an ideal signing for that kind of club. Especially with him being club captain as well and showing his leadership skills as well. I think he's certainly destined to stay in the league next season. But that's all from us this week and for the 2015-16 Liga and French season. My thanks to Mo for joining us. You can follow him at Mohamed Ali underscore 93 on Twitter. And Philip, thank you for joining us as always. My thanks to you at home and we will hopefully be seeing you again very soon. A bientôt and goodbye.